As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You'll be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do the little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Well, Jordan, a devastating fantasy loss in week one. We, we should start there, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I we'll talk about that another time. I, I know you'll you'll want to get the, the details of that. but Absolutely. Uh, jo- yes, um, but... Uh, Week one in the books now. What a game. I cannot wait to talk about this game with you, Jordan. I think we have so much to discuss. And, of course, we'll look ahead to this coming uh, weekend's game against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, too. Jordan, you covered the game so well, as always, on the Athletic app and website. Great to see the pile come back. I love it. I'd love to see all of the the thoughts and the, the way that you process a game and the way that that translates uh, to the uh, to the page to your story. So, where do we want to start with this? I, I thought it was a good win for the Rams, thirty four to fourteen. We talked at the end of the last episode about how it may be a slow start. We didn't know exactly what to expect from this team, especially this offense in in week one. Uh, what what were your big takeaways from from this season opening win? Well, my first major takeaway is uh, excited to share that the presenting sponsor for today's episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast is Visa, a network working for everyone. Also working for everyone, Matthew Stafford at quarterback, I think, at this current moment, Rich. Yeah. How about that? I mean, to me, I don't want to get to – look, it's one game, right? And we don't want to get to a lot of hyperbole out there, but that exceeded my expectations for for a quarterback in his first game in a new system, hadn't played any preseason games. I mean, is that just an extension, Jordan, of what you saw when when you watched all of these preseason practices and training camp practices? Well, the really fun things to me were um, having that weird deja vu when – the first, the first explosive air yards play, uh, the touchdown to Van Jefferson, and then the second one to Cooper Cup. They ran those all day long in training camp, and so and with a variety of different receivers. And so um, I thought that was so so fun to start the game that way because um, it just was. It was clear the 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 pieces that of the puzzle that they had been stacking together, and it the the. You could tell they were sort of statement plays. I'm not sure that they expected to get those particular looks as early in the game as they did. I feel like a normal Sean McVay game plan that people want to scheme against is to expect the run early on, uh, not necessarily the pass. In the past, it's been very, you know, as much as he wants to say it hasn't been scripted, their first drive isn't scripted, they've just got a menu of plays to call from. Sure. Like, that's not really what we saw the last <laughs> couple of years. So this was was kind of interesting because it just felt freer. It just felt like, you know, okay, you're going to give us a look because you think we're maybe going to run. Um, so we're going to pass it on you and we're going to uh, not just pass it on you, but we're going to set up this um, explosive passing play on Matthew Stafford's second throw of the game. Um, and I think it was the third play overall of the game. And it just was outstanding. You can see uh, 
you could see that the way that the ball and the player were going to connect at their apex, and you could also see that the Bears were not going to be able to stop it. And I think that got the yeah. crowd really, really excited about that Van Jefferson play. Um, his awareness uh, of not being touched and then getting into the end zone, uh, that was something that, uh, you know, a, a rookie doesn't make that call in terms of uh, maybe knowing that. So showed a lot of preparation on his part as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I thought it was just a really exciting and a really fitting way to sort of open the Matthew Stafford era uh, to sound dramatic, I guess, <laughs> um, because this this team, they want to throw the ball downfield. Now, we're going to get into a little bit later about, you know, where the balance needs to come in, because it certainly does yeah. need to come in. And I'm not trying to be a downer or anything like that. We'll get into that a little bit later. But right. um, but I, I thought that those were um, just really exciting plays. I thought they were executed perfectly. All the little pieces. It's not just the quarterback and one receiver. It's a lot of different things that have to come into play um, to, to execute those. And a lot of people working on the small details to make those things happen. And that's really what you saw all through camp was Matthew Stafford and his receivers and his offensive linemen working on all of the little details and putting all of the little pieces together in order to come out and sort of um, create something like that. So um, dominant win, a couple of sticky areas, but that was something I think we both expected at least early on in some of the the finer points in the red zone and all of those things. Um, But definitely a, a dominant win, a statement win. Um, definitely a statement for for Matthew Stafford, who just looked like he was having a total blast out there, honestly. Yeah, he really did. And it, it's, again, not, not, we're not going to put too much hyperbole on, on one game. But I, I will say, you know, as, as somebody who was somewhat critical or at least asking questions about this trade and, you know, why did you do this and why did you commit all this money to Jared Goff and then, and then you know, make this big trade? Look, when you see it on the field, you understand what they were trying to do. You understand why... Sean McVay thought he had to make that move. Why Lesney thought he had to make that move. You, if you, we can debate the gritty details all we want for years and years, and I, th- I still think that some mistakes were made, missteps were made al- along the way. Uh, but you, you, you can't double down on problems, and, and I, I think what we saw in in week one there is just that's what the vision was. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like that every week. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be problems along the way. Matthew Stafford's going to throw interceptions. <laughs> like I'm not saying that. The it's just going to be, you know, a rosy path all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, but but you can see what the thought process was and and how this offense looks so different when Matthew Stafford is running it. And you can certainly see what Sean McVay was thinking as a play caller and as an architect uh, to have somebody like that. One play got me, Jordan, and and you wrote about this in, in your column. Um, and I, I know a, a lot of people will look at the, you know, the big explosives, the 75 yards, the mm-hmm. 50 pluses, whatever. But that touchdown pass that he threw to Robert Woods mm-hmm. uh, early in the fourth quarter, I think, was one to me. And I think it was only what, like a two or three yard touchdown pass. It was they were they were deep in the red zone um, at the time. And it was the play to me where I thought, I don't know that Jared Goff is ever going to make that play um, to where. Uh, Matthew Stafford just stood in there. I, I don't know how many reads he he made on that play. Robert Woods was definitely not the first read. Right. On, on I that think he play. was I think he was the third. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Third read on the play. You know, he's he's got these Chicago Bears kind of uh, swarming <laughs> around him, you know, and and hangs in there and just delivers a perfect, perfect strike. And by the way, Robert Woods's catch was probably even better than Matthew Stafford's throw to 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 go up and then you know just really tiptoe in the back of the end zone. But what a play that was, and and just the shows and and I think Jordan stuff like that trickles down to the rest mm-hmm. of the offense when when you see somebody make a play like that, and that's the kind of thing you know I just Jared just didn't show enough of those moments where he made you really open your eyes and go, wow, that was really a play. I mean, that was really something to see. And I think you saw that a handful of times uh, with, with Matthew Stafford. I mean, that the, the big touchdown throw to, to Van Jefferson. I mean, he, he rolls out and I, I don't know. He, he, he did get his feet set, but, but he, was, he was going against his body. He mm-hmm. was kind of, it looked like he was kind of half throwing off of his back foot and, and still got the ball about you know, 55, 60 yards in the air, I think. Uh, to to make a play like that. I mean, those are the kind of plays to me where I was like, okay, this is why this guy is here, and and this is how this offense can be so much different than it was the last two years. 
Yeah. So, and like, this is the thing. I'm so happy that fans got to watch this because it's something I've, tr- I've been trying to communicate and probably have sounded like a broken record, probably been a bit annoying actually in terms of like everyone's been asking, well, what's the, what's the best ad for uh, that Matthew Stafford has? What's the, what's the thing that you need to see from him? What's the thing that uh, you're, you know, you think people are most excited about? It's not to me, not necessarily the explosive plays. Sure. That's a, that's a good shot of dopamine to the system, right. but the, this guy problem solves in real time. Mm. That's the biggest and most important thing that I could possibly express to anybody about this quarterback is he problem solves in real time. And right. you saw it over and over and over again, even under circumstances that maybe weren't even always adverse. His line, I thought, played a pretty good game. Um, Rob Havenstein, I think, deserves a shout out for the way that he um, sort of stood yeah. Khalil Mack up on that play that you were just talking about, that touchdown pass to Robert Woods. Um, I think the the things that I would point out is – the play, the touchdown pass to Cooper Cup, this was a coverage that the Rams for years could not solve. They were in the quarter, quarter half. This is the Vic Fangio, you know, Sean Desai running the same thing. Um, you know, that this was a play that they could not, this was a problem they could not solve in years past. I don't know if it was just the quarterback. I don't know if it was that they didn't have the concept. I don't know. I don't, right. I'm not going to dwell on whatever the past issue was there. But they came out and they solved it. This is a play that they ran in camp. This was a play that they ran with a variety of different receivers in camp, by the way. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look forward to, I think. Right. Right. Um, but this is also a play, a coverage that teams executed against the Rams to great effect, um, a look that they got because it worked against them and, uh, you know, stifled them in, in many ways and, and something that they especially were not able to solve because they weren't throwing the ball downfield last season. So this is something you, you watch them and, and, uh, it's a problem being solved in real time and a statement in that regard being made in real time that the things that used to work against this football team no longer work. And I think that that is something that's really, really important uh, to make sure it's clear is, is the things that defenses used to be able to do with great effect against this team no longer will have that, that effect. And that was, I think, a statement that they were maybe not overtly trying to make, but you you could bet good money that internally we're trying to make that statement. And so that, and then the problem solving in real time, obviously that comes from just great quarterback play in short yardage, moving into your more difficult read in short yardage down there, compounded in, into the red zone and backed up, you know, making, you know, up close to the to the end zone and to get that ball to Robert Woods. I mean, that's just the, something that now you can expect that things you know, you, you've got a chance anywhere you are. And I think that that's, that's another thing that's, that's important. And you see, you see him sort of solving things, uh, in, in real time when, when they struggle in the red zone previously, you're like, well, that probably, you know, you, you never got the sense that that just was going to spell their doom for the rest of the game. You got the right. sense that, you know, maybe the next time they get down there, they'll have a different answer for it. So I think that that that's the biggest thing. And Sean McVay, I guess he's doing like the coaches show, show thing um, uh, after, after he meets with media on Mondays now. So he said mm-hmm. on the coaches show that, you know, he mentioned some, this is not a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing. He mentioned something about like the quarterback can come directly to you and talk to you about whatever problem, whatever he sees, whatever he feels and is analyzing out there instead of having to go first look at the surface tablet to like see what what just happened. And like, <laughs> I, again, like I'm not going to make too big of a deal out of that. Like, right, right. But I don't know. I don't think he meant it as a shot to anybody. But at the same time, like, oh, that's not something you could do last year or the year before that or the year before that. That's interesting to me. Um, so I think that this it's just it's just um it's just one game and it's just not something to right. I think the score and the yardage and all that, that's all very well and good. That'll change week over week. But Rich, I think just if I, if there's only one thing that people take away from this podcast or from this game, it is that the problem solving in real time exists. It is apparent. And that is what gets you over this very thin margin of error. It's what gets you through an incredibly loaded NFC West. It's what yeah, it's yeah. what helps you play well down the stretch, and it's what helps you be ready for the high pressure, incredibly um, high stakes scenarios that come to you at the end of the season. 
Yeah. And look, you know, Sean's in a little bit of a rough spot here. Um, yeah, I think he got into a little bit of trouble, you know, early in the in training camp or whatever with his comments about, oh, being so happy or whatever. Like, it, it's hard not to it's hard not to, to praise Matthew Stafford without drawing those comparisons, because, uh, I mean, the stuff that you're talking about there, that that kind of was Jared Goff. I mean, you you look at what happened on a field and then, you know, the first shot of him would be sitting on the bench, you know, with his face buried in the tablet um, to, to and so like I, I agree with you I don't think Sean is taking shots at Jared Goff but but it's it's hard not to point that out without creating a contrast of of what you can do where I, I think Matthew Stafford has the ability like you said Jordan to kind of process that in real time and to me it's almost the difference between I, I don't know how to say this exactly but you know like somebody who can run plays versus somebody who is playing football and and I think Matthew Stafford is out there playing football and, and yeah. knowing that, that things aren't always going to go to script and sometimes things are going to get a little messy and, and you know, not going to go to plan and he's going to be able to keep his cool and, and know what's going on and fix it uh, on the field. And that's the sort of thing, not to repeat myself, but I think that's another one of those things that gives your teammates confidence. You know, it, it gives your your linemen, your receivers uh, confidence to stand out there and go, okay, even if things get a little sideways out here, you know, our, our quarterback's going to be able to deal with this and, and make it work. So again, we're, we're putting a lot on uh, Matthew Stafford for, for uh, game one, but hey, uh, look, what else are we going to say? The guy went 20 of 26 for 321 yards. He only threw yards. the ball 26 times. 26 times. <laughs> I can't get over that. It was. I can't get over it. Yeah, look, and quarterback rating, uh, imperfect number. I mean, it's 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 pretty antiquated as as far as a stat goes. But I, I think it's worth noting, just from a comparison's sake, uh, NBC pointed this out at the end of the broadcast. The highest quarterback rating, one hundred and fifty six point one, the highest quarterback rating for any quarterback in history who started over with a new team in week one. So you think about all the quarterbacks in NFL history since they started doing this stat. I don't know what year it was, but any of them who have changed teams, Matthew Stafford had the highest rating of anybody in his first game with a, with a new team, not counting rookies, of course. Um, so it, look, it's, it's, it's pretty much a dream start uh, for the Rams. It, it, like you said, Jordan, it'll get tougher. Uh, teams, I guarantee you, every team that the Rams play this year is going to be pouring over that week one tape and, and you know, looking for tendencies, looking for ways to, to uh, attack. But Can't run quarter, quarter, half anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you got it. Whatever the <laughs> whatever the whatever the game plan was for for 2019 and 2020, you just kind of put that on a shelf and Whoops. and say like, all right, you know. But but the thing that's that gets me, Jordan, is like it, I I know having been in 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 your position, you know, before, like you see so much during training camp, and and the way that these things for for people who don't know, you know, Jordan's able to watch a lot of the press, especially in yeah. training camp, but. You know, there there are restrictions in in terms of of reporting, and that's just the way it goes. That's the trade off that we kind of agree to. We were able to watch, but we're not going to put out there like, oh yeah, here's the formation that they were running, and Van Jefferson was on this side, and yeah, and you know, like I know people love 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 those details, but like that's just not what we're able to do. If if we start if people started doing that, they would just totally close down all the practices. Um, but I, I know, Jordan, what it's like to watch some of that stuff and you're just kind of, you know, almost bursting to, to want to tell somebody and to, to want to explain this stuff. And and like you said, now everybody getting a, a first look at it in, in week one um, probably, you know, justifies why there was why there was so much excitement in training camp. Yeah. And um, Sean McVay. I pressed him on it a little bit yesterday in his press conference, and he was a good sport about it. He obviously couldn't tell me uh, much, but because again, they're going to be running this more <laughs> down the right. stretch. So, and the the wrinkles that I saw with it in camp, like obviously he's not going to reveal that. He also knows that I'm not going to. I can't reveal that. So, um, like it, it, the best I can do is is share out like a fun tweet about how much dis, you know social distancing a receiver had around him on any given play. But and that's all good fun. <laughs> like it's just fun to see those pieces come into place. And I think um, the the other thing is, is like, um, this just, it, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about last week with that big story, Rich. It's like going against their defense is the best 
worst and best medicine they could possibly have. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think that, that that also helps with it because you can give the look that you need to solve, basically. And I think when you can do that with a quarterback like like Matthew Stafford and receivers doing what they need to do on the play, um, you know, Robert Woods holding the second safety a couple of times on both of those explosive yards plays, I think, was really important. And the line doing what it needs to do. And, and Matthew Stafford, obviously, um, playing with, you know, good shoulder movement and eye movement in terms of holding different guys. And so all of that stuff's important. Uh, I guess it's like being hotly debated on social media right now. But my sense <laughs> from talking to people in the building is that it was not a uh, a bust, quote unquote, like uh, it just it's a play that works. So they're going to run it more. And especially if you are going to throw that look against them, um, they're going to run that on you. So I think that um, it's just it, it's just it's interesting because there hasn't, I don't know that Sean has felt this way since 2017 where he's got the answers to the test. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure yeah. that he's really felt that way or maybe he felt that way early in 2018, but then teams started solving him and courtesy of Vic Fangio. Um, <laughs> and so I think, I think that uh, he right now, and it's, it's going to be a long season. I'm not, again, I, I know this is such a hyperbolic, uh, episode, but whatever, screw it. Like we're allowed to have some fun. Right. So sure. I think like, I, I, I really think at the moment and it's all going to change week over week, but after that game, I felt like Sean McVay thought and felt for the first time in a while that he had the answers to the test. Yeah. And it's, it's coaching with confidence. It's calling plays with confidence and, and knowing that you can do a variety of things and that you're not kind of on the defensive uh, with your play calling or, or that you're limited that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it looked, it looked different to me. Um, and, and maybe this is a natural seg Jordan into kind of um, the balance that we talked about, because I, I know that that's uh that's a question. And I, I think it's a very fair question um, to ask uh, the Rams ended up as it, Turns out, when you look at the final sheet, um, the running backs, not not counting Matthew Stafford's uh, scrambles or whatever, uh, sixteen for uh, sixteen carries for uh, Daryl Henderson, uh, one Robert Woods, uh, one Sony Michelle. So so eighteen touches uh, in the run game, twenty six pass attempts. So that's not you know super super out of whack, but it also got a little skewed in the fourth quarter when the Rams were. Uh, were protecting a lead. I believe they went into the fourth quarter with only 10 rushing attempts uh, and then kind of kept it on the ground, obviously, with with a big lead. So how do we look at this, um, Jordan? Very short drives. So they were, you know, the explosive plays kind of limited the number of plays that they ran to begin with and limited the length of uh, the drives. Uh, and you know, just didn't need really, as funny as it sounds, didn't didn't need to grind it out there and, until the fourth quarter uh, when they did. So what do you how, what, what's your takeaway on that? I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, in a, in a in a more normal week, you probably want to see that that balance get a, a little bit closer. But it, it didn't feel out of whack to me. And, and I say that as somebody who's been critical of Sean McVay in the past in with his run pass balance. But it felt to me like, hey, they're they're just picking up these explosive plays. And, yeah. and they're so how, what, how did you how did you feel about that when when the game ended? Yeah, that was fu- like their plan was fine. And I think like to me, it, w- it was fine for what this was. They were given looks where they could capitalize through the air on those explosives. Like they, they mm-hmm. were, they were, it's not like they were teed up for it by any means. It's still a challenge, obviously, but they, they know how to beat those things now. And um, you found out that they could beat them. So other teams have found, have found this out. I would assume they still try to run some of those things against the quote unquote McVeigh system that have worked in the past because, um, at, at other times, depending on the athletes you have on your team, you know, maybe the pass rush gets there or maybe, um, the coverage is able to, to track a little bit better, um, and, and sort of switch a little bit better. So, you know, you're probably still going to see those types of things, but in terms of, you know, I think teams are going to try to make them run early, honestly, because right. we still don't really know. Uh, Daryl Henderson, I thought, had a great game in pass pro because he had to like they were passing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but but also I, I, th- I think that they um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a, a balanced attack from them just because um, ultimately and over the long, long course of a season, um, you obviously cannot be one dimensional. And that applies to the things that you do through the air as well as the things you do on the ground. So I, I do think you're going to see more balance. But I, I think the key here is they're they're not 
they're not stuck, right? Like right. if if the run is not working, it doesn't mean the pass won't work. And again, and I, I hate to, I'm not ragging on anybody, but I really hate to, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but like in the past, if the run didn't work, the pass was effed, right? Yes. So yeah. like this, this is, and look at this growth that I'm experiencing. I didn't say the word. I actually said the polite version of the word. So right. um, this is growth. Um, so <laughs> um, it's, it, it really is like, you don't necessarily, the things that you do in the passing game might still at some point predicate off the run, but they don't depend on it. And so I think that that's, that's something that we can take away from, from this game. Um, at the same time, I think if you're going to continue to do things like mix up your play action, which they did, Matthew Stafford was perfect, literally perfect in play action. He threw eight yeah. passes, did not miss a single one, threw for 155 yards and two touchdowns, specifically went out of play, play action and mixed it up, not just under center where his back turns, um, although he, I think he does a little peek, which is kind of cool. Like he, he's like, well, I'm still not going to let my back turn all the way when I'm doing that center action, but, um, right. also ran two snaps out of gun action. And I think you're going to see them mix those things up. But again, you have to sell the run, um, out of the gun before you run sort of that gun action stuff. So, um, you know, just little details that are going to mean it's important to still establish that, that rushing attack. And some teams are going to play you different. So, um, I, I definitely don't expect to see this sort of, um, lopsided and also kind of weird. Like when you don't run the ball the way that they didn't run the ball, you expect Matthew Stafford to throw like 55 times, but right. he threw 26 times. So really, I think this was just a weird one all around, honestly. But I think like when you have that style and I kind of keep going back to this, it's like, okay, we see you have the style points, but we also need to see and other teams need to get sent the message that you can also sort of grind it out when you need to um, and, and like chip away at those long drives. And I think one of the double-edged swords of uh, this pass attack, if, if it happens the way that it does, is that um, you can't control the clock if you are ripping off these explosives over and over again, which is great for putting points on the board, but then you can't control the clock until you start running the ball, which they did in the fourth quarter and did, did a nice job of that. Um, and then also it gets your defense back on the field too quickly. So the explosives are fantastic and I'm not taking anything away from them at all, right. but sprinkling in some balance here and there to give your defense a little bit of time to recalibrate, give your kicker time to actually get out on the field. <laughs> um, you know, it's maybe there was like a bathroom break situation or something happening there, but uh, clearly right. nobody expected them to score that quickly. But um you know, just just little things where, um, you know, yeah, let them throw it downfield and let it rip whenever you can. But also um, keep in mind that there has to, you know, it's a four quarter game and there has to be some balance in there as well, um, which I think they did did well uh, the second half. They did well sort of integrating that balance into it. But um, that's what I would expect moving forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. How about the split, Jordan? Because I, I think in, in last last episode, one of the thing that I said I was curious about just would be uh, that split with Daryl Henderson and mm-hmm. Sony Michelle. And wow, um, the Rams ran, ran <laughs> <What> 52. <split? laughs> yeah, the, the split was uh, Daryl Henderson was split on the field and Sony Michelle was split on the sideline. It was pretty much how the, the split went. Uh, they ran 52 offensive plays. Daryl Henderson 
was out there for 49 of them. Sony Michelle for three. Um, so what what are what should we attribute that uh, to? I mean, again, the number of plays was was low. Uh, you talked about uh, mentioned how Daryl Henderson was successful in pass protection, so no no reason to take him off the field in those situations. Is there a little bit of of Sony Michelle just kind of you know getting up to speed? Like wh- what would you expect going forward with with that with that tandem? Yeah, I mean, still more of the same, like a complimentary. And I think when people hear the word complimentary, they think it's got to be like 60-40 or 50-50. And like, that's not really right. what I mean. Maybe I'm I'm the one using the wrong word. I think that complimentary in the sense of, um, you know, they're going to have Daryl Henderson go until it's not working anymore. And then they're going to have Sony Michelle go. And, uh, you know, Sony Michelle, like the one of the snaps they put him in on, they like made him sell out against Cleo Mack, which is also not something you want to be doing. <laughs> so um, probably get a smarter game plan going for him when he is in the game. Um, but at the same time, like, y- you know, if Daryl Henderson is available and he's doing the things that you need him to do, um, then they're going to keep going with Daryl Henderson doing those things. Um, when they aren't working, that's when you have sort of the luxury of, of switching backs and maybe running a little bit of a different style of run and it's going to be situational and predicated off opponent also. And I, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, Sony Michelle, uh, isn't totally caught up, although I would believe that that would be understandable if that were the case. But um, I just don't. I think that he's incredibly talented, very, very smart, and has worked really hard behind the scenes to get himself caught up. So I think it was some of its game plan. Um, Daryl Henderson, you know, you're going to also he, – he wasn't – he simply was not going to get um, – you know, sort of that that crazy carry share. Uh, he carried the ball 16 times. That's about his magic number in that regard. Right. Um, right. You aren't going to do it much more than that. So you don't have a reason to have a, a two-back system. Like, that's about, I think, Daryl Henderson's number right there. So if you're going to have yeah. a game where you're carrying the ball a lot more than that, um, Sony Michelle, I think, comes in and and sort of does more of those things. Um, but this this was just a weird one. Like, you just weren't going to see they, – they I don't think, other than uh, making a couple of statements with those plays, like, I don't think that they even went very far into their playbook. Um, they had mm. those, I think, at the top, like, ready to go. <laughs> but right. uh, but I don't think that they they dug super far into it, which, again, is another thing that you, you, the if you have an explosive passing play game early on in your season, that not only you kind of kind of puts a Band-Aid on a couple of things, including, like – you know, less less wear and tear on your running back, uh, who you're maybe already kind of worried about making through the entire season, and you also don't have to show everything. Like, <laughs> you, right, right. You could like put a little put a little of that fear in people's hearts a little bit with those dagger plays, but um, you don't have to show everything that you can do, and um, you can continue to sort of keep things um, close to the vest for for down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I. I thought I expected to see a little bit more of Sony, but once they started going past heavy, I was like, yeah, we probably won't see this guy um, in this game. Um, and, and so I, I don't know, Rich, did you have him on your fantasy football team? Is I, I was wondering what, how that went for you. No, no, sore, sore subject that. No, yeah, and, and, and no, I, I did not. I actually did not draft any Rams. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm too close to that situation to, to draft any Rams. It's very but, ethical. Gosh, now, unlike now I John wish Walford, that I had. Unlike John Walford, who who put the Rams defense <laughs> the Rams on his defense. fantasy football yeah. team last yeah. year. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Ben, that, that brings me to uh, something else I was thinking about. Before we pivot to the defense, because there's also a lot to talk about um, on the defense, but, but one thing that, that grabbed my eye uh, right away after the game, I, I didn't notice it during the game, I'll be honest, but when I saw the sheet with the, with the uh, snap counts, Tyler Higby was on the field for all 52 plays. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and I, I mean this when I say I don't know because I haven't looked back at every sheet since, since 2016, but I don't know that that has ever happened before. I don't know that he's ever been on the field for 100% of the plays. Uh, he was out there for 52 uh, Johnny Munt, the only other tight end who who checked in, was on the field for uh, 15. So my math is really bad. That's about that's a little under 25 percent. So somewhere between 20 and 25 percent, I guess. Um, but what what should we what should we make of that? Um, if anything, is that even notable? <laughs> what does it what does it mean for Tyler Higby and what does it mean uh, for for that Rams offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good good news for Tyler Higby because then obviously, too, he's going to get the ball. I mean, I think that that's one of the things you expected when you, you know, you see Matthew Stafford join the roster is like, you know, he likes to throw to tight ends. 
you know, the Rams have a very good complete tight end in Tyler Higbee. Um, so especially with them not sort of going as deep into the playbook as they maybe did in camp, when you'd see Jacob Harris like detached from the core, for example, or you'd see a lot of those things, um, you can be effective with, you know, sort of your your standard ball distribution with your guys who are in your core. That's Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higbee, Robert Woods, um, a little Deshaun Jackson sprinkled in there. Um, and I think that that, you know, that worked for him. Obviously, clearly it did. Um, for Tyler Higby, I think, uh, you know, I'm not overly surprised considering how involved he was, but this is the thing with Tyler Higby as we've seen, and we have to figure out like how similar or how different certain things, certain facets of this offense will be is, you know, is this going to be a continuous thing or is it going to be like, okay, this was the Tyler Higby game. And then next week, maybe it's another right. Tyler Higby game. And then, you know, he's gone. And so um, I, I do, I don't believe it would be like that. I think that they're wanting to get him involved uh, as much as possible. And I think when you have someone who you're expecting to activate all of these eligible receivers, um, that was our big off season word is activation of eligibles. Like mm-hmm. guys are going to get the ball. A lot of different guys are going to get the ball in. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you see like Deshaun Jackson had 21 yards, two catches, 21 yards. Um, maybe next week it'll be a heavier Deshaun Jackson game and a lesser Tyler Higby game, or maybe a, a Robert Woods will be the leading receiver instead of Cooper cup. Um, but I, but I think one thing won't change and that is distributing the ball around quite a bit because um, that's something that uh, was one of the main goals, something they obviously have not been able to do as much last couple of years. And so one of the main goals this year was uh, show a lot of different looks, get the ball to a lot of different guys and give the defense a lot more to think about. And having Tyler Higby a heavy part of that offense um, is certainly one of those things. Yeah, yeah, very, you know, a lot of talk about him last year and, and kind of, you know, what happened and, and why he wasn't uh, as, as big a part uh, of that offense. Um, but, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford known to, to like his tight ends also. So uh, six, six targets was uh, second most uh, behind Cooper Cup's uh, 10 and uh, five catches for 68 yards. So that'll be something to uh, monitor. Jordan, you've, you've covered more about the offense in, in the pile uh, so I want to make sure everybody, you know, goes and checks that out if if they haven't already. But don't want to ignore the defense also. Uh, I, I know that's uh, always close to your heart is is what the defense yes. is, is doing. There's a lot to talk about here. So I, I'm going to start with the very basic and obvious one uh, before we, we go to you for some deeper analysis. And my uh, my deep analysis is uh, Jalen Ramsey, a good football player, <laughs> pretty, pretty good, pretty good at football. Uh, my goodness, uh, what 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 a game that he had! And and look, a lot of guys. I, I, I want to you know shout out some Kenny Young. I thought was was fantastic. Uh, Justin Hollins, uh, Flash, Jordan Fuller. We talked about how his first game as as the green dot uh, would go. Eleven tackles to to lead the team, and it looked it looked sharp out there to me. It looked good. To me, uh, David Long comes up uh, with with big play uh, and you know fills in nicely. But you just you couldn't keep your eyes off of Jalen Ramsey, Jordan, and and the reason was that he was all over the field, as you've uh, written about. You know, going back a year now, uh, the the way that they can use Jalen Ramsey and and you know play him all over uh, the field, and and you even have the quote in in your uh, column on on Sunday night. Jalen Ramsey saying, I'm being put in positions that I've never been put in before to make plays and do things for my team. So you talk about a guy who's, you know, arguably been uh, one of the top, if not the top cornerbacks uh, in in the NFL over the last couple of years. And it, it seems like he's still getting better or they're still finding ways, perhaps I should say, to uh, better utilize uh, his skills. So uh, again, I know Captain Obvious to, to say that, but uh, my goodness, the guy was just all over the place. Yeah. And this is something, my understanding of this is, and it's something that's been validated based on watching. I, I did catch the first half of the uh, the Chargers game, wanting to see what Brandon was doing with that, with that defense um, yeah. before I left for, for SoFi. And uh, that's a whole other <laughs> that journey was a whole other story but are you um, renting a helicopter for the next uh, home game is I've that the, actually is that the plan? set up a small uh, tent uh, inside <laughs> SoFi so I just don't have to leave again so uh, that would take me less time than than getting there but um right, right. yeah so uh, th- this if 
sort of evolution of what Jalen is doing is something that's deeper in the Brandon Staley defensive playbook, right? And before anybody gets on me about this, uh, I know there are some disgruntled analysts on Twitter uh, talking about this, but like, um, no, the star position is not new. Like, they didn't just invent it. No, it's been around for like two decades. Like, it's not it's not new. Probably longer than that. But um, I've only been around for. Uh, almost three decades, so I would not know how long it's been around, but it's been around forever. Um, But the reason why it's exciting and the reason why we're talking about it is because it's new to this defense. Right. (laughs) Or new-ish. You know, they they dabbled in it last year. And it's new to um, the people playing it in in the sense that it the position, the way that they've integrated it, integrated it and incorporated it in their in their defense is it can evolve as the player changes and grows and change as as the situation dictates and it's very just like fluid and flexible um and it's a fascinating thing so this is something that they've been planning with Jalen for a while and you saw it all spring and all summer and he mm-hmm. he was just in the slot in the star in the star in the star which again is please go read my story on it, it is different from just the nickel um but at the same time, uh, it's, you know, if you're, you know, if you're at the bar and you're explaining it to your friend who doesn't watch football, then maybe just say like, it's the slot, <laughs> but it's right. not, it's not technically right. that, but, um, but it, what I think you're seeing them go deeper into that playbook and especially watching what Derwin James was able to do. Um, you see that that's, this is just an evolution. If they were to keep Brandon for a second year, this would be the evolution of what he would also implement into, um, Jalen mm. Ramsey's plan. So, um, the thing that is so effective about this is you cannot get away from the guy. Like you can't get away from him and and like oh my god, how stressful <laughs> that must be. Right? Because there's even a point so I I mentioned this in my column cuz there was even a point where even when you think you got away from him, you didn't. There right. was like a point uh, the the Bears receivers were in a bunch formation and um, Andy Dalton was just trying to get a little pass out to the flat and the bunch. What it helps with is it helps put the the defensive backs on the on the side. Like it helps kind of put them in, into like a garbage shoot situation where there's just too much trash with the receivers and and you can't you know it's, you're getting bumped a little bit and um, you can't quickly get to the guy who actually has the ball. So it's sort of like a uh, they're helping block downfield a little bit and create that extra space. Well. The Rams match routes, by the way, which, you know, again, we've covered a lot of, um, and they match routes. So they knew, not only did they know, it's like having the answers to the test. Again, this defense has for two years now had the answers to the test. And so right, right. at this point, it's it's just almost like you're like, oh, sweetie, what are you doing when you see these guys <laughs> run a play against them um, like this? And so um, this – look was similar to when Darius Williams remember his pick six against Seattle yep. where he yep. he uh he kind of navigated through a similar sort of bunched up situation yep. and um because he had they had matched the, these routes that he had seen them on tape and they had matched them in practice in the scout team look and so he knew exactly where the ball was going and he was able to jump it and and that's exactly this is exactly what Jalen Ramsey did right the thing was was not Jalen Ramsey had played everywhere on the field at that point, outside corner, inside corner, close to the line of scrimmage. They had him lined up as an extra defensive, like if you're having like an extra outside linebacker um, outside of Justin Hollins's right shoulder. Um, they had him. They had him everywhere. Like God help you, honestly. Like which side are you going to go to? Are you going to go to <laughs> Leonard Floyd's side and Aaron Donald's side? Or are you going to go to Jalen Ramsey and Justin Holland's side? Like God help you, but. When when this play occurred, he was actually lined up on the outside, and um, he was going to be the blocked, the blocking like acquired blocked guy, right? Obviously, you want to sort of take him out of the equation. Jordan Fuller comes down and almost disguises into the nickel hmm. during this, and Jordan Fuller plays from depth. So this to me was clearly something that they they knew the play, and then were going to present their own disguise to assert where the ball was going to go. So he's right. sort of showing that. Um, uh, that space where almost like he's going to come in on a safety blitz, but he's, but he's in the nickel spot. And so it further reiterates the fact that Andy Dalton has to throw the ball to the bunched receiver, right? Especially mm-hmm. with pressure coming from the opposite side. And Jalen Ramsey just carries after the ball snap, Jalen Ramsey carries his player <laughs> with him to make the stop. Yeah. 
And that's the one that LeBron James tweeted about, by the yeah. way. That was the play. Yeah. Like that that was just not only did you clearly force the offense to do exactly what you wanted them to do, even when like even when they thought they were doing the answer to what you were showing, it turns out you had there was no right answer that they could do. There's right. only pain. <laughs> so, like, it just, I hope I'm explaining that right. Cause it just was like so, um, these guys are so smart and they're so fun to watch. And I, I was frustrated with some of the commentary I saw about this defense last, after this game. I don't think, again, hmm. we don't know exactly what they're going to look like down the stretch. We don't know. But the way that they were schemed, the guys who were able to express themselves in terms of um, people who made plays and people who were just in the right places and rotating. And um, like, I-, I was frustrated to see some of the criticism, the incorrect criticism, by the way, in my opinion. Um, right. And we'll get to that, Rich, in a minute because I want to ask you your thoughts on it. But um, yeah. But I this defense was so smartly schemed and smartly executed, I think, in this game. And it it was just a glimpse at what their potential is. And I think that um, my hat goes off not only to these guys, but also to Raheem Morris, because this was his first game calling this defense. And right, right. to see how they didn't, you know, his, his wrinkles were there. The way that Kenny mm-hmm. Young played, that's a Raheem Morris wrinkle. His development of Kenny Young is the reason why they can go to those 5-1 fronts that they need to be in in order to dictate the coverage. Right. Like, or excuse me, in order to to dictate the passing game because the coverage dictates that front. Um and and Kenny Young's evolution and his his the way that he has sort of blossomed, that is a Raheem Morris wrinkle. Um mm. Jalen Ramsey is going to be a solution for a couple of things um coming down the stretch that I'm I'm sort of watching for. I'm not gonna get into yet, but that's gonna be a Raheem Morris wrinkle. And I think that right. that he called a really good game. Um they obviously right. they had two two big things that I that I think were mistakes and were were things that they need to clean up and one was the 41 yard run by David Montgomery and right. the other was that 16 play drive um but other than that I thought you, this game they called such a smart game such a smart game I mean it was it was a really I thought it was a really good good outing for them yeah that that I, I agree Jordan and there's things we can we can talk about I want to you know talk about that run defense too a little bit and uh, but you, you look at it and <laughs> Again, for for a first game, I I just didn't see anything structurally that bothered me, and that's that's really what I was looking at. I mean, the results, like things can happen, you know. Like I'm, I think uh, I, I I might be confusing the run, so I'm sorry if I if I am. But uh, the, one of the big uh, runs by David Montgomery, like Darius Williams, was in a position to make the tackle, just whether it was bad angle or whatever it was, like that that could have been a five yard carry that turned into however long that was. Um, so things like that, like that's not a structural problem. That's not a design problem. It's just uh, things happen sometimes. Like not every not every tackle gets made, not every angle uh, gets made. But when when it, when I looked at what they were trying to accomplish and 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 what they did, uh, it it looked very smart and it looked like it was being executed very well. I mean, Andy Dalton. Look, we talked about Andy Dalton last week. He's not, he is what he is at this point, right? I mean, he probably takes too much criticism, but you, you never felt threatened by Andy Dalton in that game. You never felt threatened by the Bears' uh, uh, passing attack. Allen Robinson, I love Allen Robinson. He he got targeted 11 times and had 35 yards receiving. Uh, so he was never a threat in in that in that game. I, I don't think they utilized him particularly well, but but he he was not a threat. And and the the Bears have some uh, some weapons on on that offense, but they were never really able to get any of them uh, going. And I, and I think that's as, as much a credit to Raheem Morris and and, and the Rams' execution as it is to anything that, that might be going on in Chicago. I'm sure you, you listen to Bears fans; they might have a slightly different take on on the situation. But uh, you know, they also. Pre- prepared for for Justin Fields who did mm-hmm. get on the on the field for for a handful of plays they didn't again didn't really utilize him in in you know anything dramatic but it was something that they had to think about something that they had to uh, uh prepare for but so so Jordan what what do we think about that the the run game now just to put it in in context uh, David Montgomery 16 carries 108 yards as you noted Jordan 41 of those yards came on on one play 
Um, so it, it gets a little skewed. Um, but how do we how do we put that in the right context in terms of some of those fronts uh, that the Rams were running, uh, what they wanted to accomplish? I, I think it's also fair to say like that that Bears offensive line is not is not great. Um, so how do, how do we kind of put that all in context and, and what should we think about that going forward? Because now week two, we haven't really talked about it yet, but, you know, going to Indianapolis, uh, Jonathan Taylor there is, had a, had a great rookie season. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, he wasn't very good week one against a a pretty good Seattle uh, team, but what's, what's the right context there in terms of, of the Rams run defense in week one? Yeah. So, um, and like I am all, but just begging you guys, if you have not read, um, first of all, the pile, uh, which sort of summarizes it way more succinctly than this other story does, but the pin story at the top of my Twitter page, which dissects and kind of gets into Brandon Staley's defense as a part of a larger conversation about the way that he and Sean McVay sort of battled with each other and shaped each other. And, but it does get into why this defense does the things that it does. And, like when I see, like I was watching the coaches show, for example, yesterday, right? It's like on Periscope mm-hmm. or whatever. This is after Sean jumped off with with media. And the first comment was, "This this run defense looks suspect," and I don't think Raheem, I think that's a Raheem Morris problem, <laughs> and I don't I don't trust Raheem Morris. And I'm like, I. Oh, sweetie, like, (laughs) you know, but, and I, I just, I'm, I'm frustrated with that. Right. Because it's not for lack of, it's not for lack of, um, like, I think, I think the, the, the way that these guys do it is clear. And so that's not to excuse a 41 yard (laughs) explosive run play, Right. right? That is not, that's not great. This, the way that this defense is designed, um, you, you are okay with averaging three and a half, four yards per carry. Um, you want to be obviously like maybe less than four, ideally. But in a real situation with a running back as talented as David Montgomery is, you're probably, you know, shooting for closer to four, right? You are shooting right. to right. try to, um, and that's not every carry. That's a four-yard carry, a two-yard carry. That's right. a three-yard carry, you know, a one-yard carry. That's, these These are things where you're you're trying to set up these, your adverse passing downs. You're sort of inviting the run because um, you're using lighter boxes, which six or less defenders in the box um, at the second highest frequency of any team in the league, which they also did last year. The Rams did it like 74% rate. Um, so what that does is it allows your uh, safeties and your corners to play from depth, first of all, which is not only the best way to contain the explosive passing plays that, oh, by the way, the Bears were not able to contain and it broke them in half. So I don't know right. if you want to be on the other side of that. This is, this, you know, <laughs> let's 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 think about it. And um, on the other on the other hand, it also means that you are not going to get just sort of abused by play action passing, which is what everyone in the league does now to try to um, sort of beat uh, good coverages. Um, but that the way that this coverage is set up. Uh, first of all, it's set up heavier in the back and playing from depth. Um, so that dictates what they're able to do in the front. They play gap and a half in the front, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, you know, I would think they've got a couple of things to clean up, a couple of guys that are filling into new spots that they need to, um, you know, maybe be a little bit, just a little bit short up in terms of maybe some rustiness and, and what have you. Um, but the point is, is it, it sounds like cherry picking, right? The explosive run is not supposed to happen. So that was definitely a mistake. That was not not something that's supposed to happen. Right. But if you take away that explosive run, they are right on track with exactly what the game plan would dictate, exactly what, what where they need to go and what they need to do at like, you know, less than three and a half yards per carry. That is exactly right. what they need to do to set up the adverse passing downs. When you set up the adverse passing down, you cannot throw the ball downfield because there is a literal helmet placed around the perimeter of this coverage. Like you cannot throw the ball downfield against this defense, um, not just because of the the scheme, but because of the player's ability within that scheme. And it might happen once or twice. You might see it. Teams teams will find ways, right? But at the same time, against this defense last year, you could not throw the ball downfield. 
And so um, your best option at that point becomes a check down pass. So you're just dinking and dunking down the field the entire game. Right. That's the only way to beat this team. And then somehow not getting pushed off the field, which they, you know, they're able to do that 16 play drive. That was an example of how to beat this defense, right? right. But you have to do that the entire game and you're right. not going to, right? Without mistakes. Without any mistakes. And you're just not going, and with, and, and you're just not going to. And that's what this defense bets. So, no, I'm not excusing the 41-yard the explosive. That's, but that's the only reason this run game looked as successful as it did was that play. And right. so I think that, that that's where I get a little bit, you know, wanting to just kind of reiterate it and, um, you know, wanting to make sure that it's, it's clear. Like, it's just the way that they play. And, and I don't, I don't um, you know, I don't, I don't respond to some of the negative stuff on Twitter, obviously. But when I do see people being like, oh, they're, they're playing too soft, they're playing too soft, it's like, they're not playing soft. They're they're not letting you do what you want to do against them. Right. That's not right. softness. No. Like that's that's not softness. They're not letting you break their backs. Like right. they, you literally have an example of what that means to have your back broken on the other side of the ball. Matthew Stafford did it four times. Like right. Right. you have an example right. of what that can do to you on the other side. Right. Like you don't want that happening to you. That's the way that they play this way. It's not like you're not giving them things. You're not allowing things. You are forcing them to use one page of their playbook as opposed to 20. That's right. the best way I can describe it. You are forcing, you are dictating to them what they are able to do because you are presenting the coverages and the fronts in this way. Right. And so that to me, it's not like, oh, you know, that it's a huge, it's hugely sociological if you think about it, right? Because- <laughs> The same things that fans are have not and and you know I'm not saying this collectively. I saw like one or two. You know, it was it's not like I think everybody was like kind of kind of understands what they're trying to do, right? But right. the the negative people can be very loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think the the when I when I did see it, it was like it's interesting, right? Because the same people who uh, complain about the about like the three four yard runs at a time or the the checkdowns or, or those types of things. The same people that complain about that are the same offensive coordinators that Brandon Staley, Raheem Morris, Vic Fangio. Uh, they're the same coordinators that they they bet will make the mistake because they can't bear it. They can't stand it. They cannot possibly right. check it down on you that many times in a row. Can't bear it. So they'll, they'll overcommit and make a mistake. So you guys, congratulations. You're the same people that they target with this defense. So um, yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I And and like, again, that does not excuse the mistakes. And there were some mistakes and um, definitely some things to get cleaned up. And I think that, again, you, you can't have those explosive runs in particular because, um, you know, I would even say that I'd forgive an explosive pass more than I would forgive one of those explosive runs because, again, that, that predicates everything you can do in the passing game. So um, I, I definitely would forgive that less. Um, but that's also something where, um, you know, they gave up it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good offense, you know, right, <laughs> it was, right. wasn't a good offense, but 14 points is, is not anything to be ashamed of. I don't think. Yeah. And, and just, to, just to put some numbers to, to what you're, you're talking about here, Jordan. Yeah. Look, the, the bears ran 69 offensive plays. Three of them went for longer than 11 yards. Yeah, uh, one, I mean, that's, what, that's a yeah. great point, Rich. I, I, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, I should have stopped ranting way earlier and just allowed you to offer the offer. No, no but it, it, <laughs> you, you're giving the I'm, I'm giving raw numbers here. I mean, you're, you're giving the context behind it. And and but that's what and, and even to your point, Jordan, OK, there's the 41 yard run. There's the 19 yard pass uh, it, 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 to uh, Goodwin. There's uh, another 14-yard run by David Montgomery that I think was on that first drive also. And then look at the look at the other. I'm looking at the play-by-play sheet here, right? Even the 19-yard pass to Goodwin. I'm I'm reading the play-by-play. This is not my my analysis, okay? Andy Dalton pass short right, uh, 11-yard completion. Andy Dalton pass short left, uh, 11-yard completion. Andy Dalton pass short middle. Uh, do you see a trend here? Like th- this is they were they were picking up their yardage uh, even even on these plays that you would say oh they picked up ten yards on that pass play it was more like a five yard pass and then maybe a five yard yak to to get them to to ten yards so you're right Jordan you you don't want you don't want to see that number forty one at the top of the sheet here on on a run play um, that that's not that's not acceptable you know you can't you can't have that all the time but you have to put it in the context of of what they were trying mm-hmm. to accomplish here on defense and I think you also have to put it in the context of knowing 
what this Rams offense can do. Uh, the, the Rams offense was able to score 34 points. All of it came from the offense. Uh, the Bears weren't going to score 35 points doing what they were doing on offense. It just, it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so it, it, I think it paired nicely. If, if your offense can be in sync that the way the Rams offense was and, and able to score like that, yes, you want a little bit more balance. Yes. You want to give your defense a little more rest maybe. And, and don't oh, want to for put sure. Them in them. Yeah. Right. But, but there was nothing wrong with, with the way that the, the Rams were, were playing defense other than, like we've said, you want to clean some stuff up there. You don't want to turn those, make those eight yard runs turn into 20 yard runs. Uh, but but I didn't really see anything that made me go, oh, wow, there's a lot of structural problems there. Or there's some long, long-term problems there. Uh, yeah, some things to clean up. Absolutely going to want to be uh, Jonathan Taylor. I, I like him a lot as a, as a running back. Uh, I haven't been able to really break down their game against Seattle to see what was what was going on there. He only uh, had 56 yards on, on 17 carries against Seattle. So certainly not what they were looking for. Yeah, um, plus uh, a better but, offensive line, I think, coming in this week. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So you'll want it, you know, that, that'll certainly be something to look at. You don't want uh, Indianapolis to be able to control the ball uh, on the on the ground and start dictating the game. Uh, but but there weren't any there wasn't anything there that made me go, oh, wow, that that Rams defense is is in trouble. They're, they're going to have some some issues uh, for me. You, like you, Jordan, it was the other way. It was, wow, they're really doing some things that uh, that, that are exciting and that from a, a from a structural standpoint uh, were, were really, really interesting to watch. Yeah. One last thing before we uh, move on to just a quick uh, note about this week. Sure. Um, So the last thing that I will also share is uh, the Rams stopped four fourth down conversion attempts, Mm. um, which I found out this week that internally they count them as takeaways. Um, Like Sean McVay mentioned that. Uh, So I guess that would make what five takeaways. Is is that correct? Five takeaways in the game. If, if you're right. counting "quote unquote" coaches' film, which right, right. we don't measure life that way, but uh, good, you know, that's a good, good feather to have in their cap after this one. But um, th- I did get a, I did get a comment um, from somebody that said that they uh, were worried about the defense because they didn't force the Bears to punt enough. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna leave you with that. <laughs> Fill in your own. Uh, it's like a, a Mad Libs. You can just fill in your own. Uh, fill in your own uh, yeah. comment there. And guys, yeah. like this is all in good fun, right? We're I all, know. Yes. We're all having. We're all just. You know, this is like I wish we were all in a bar talking about this together, right? Yeah. Like, but no. Uh, and look. But like, yeah, that's I, I a like, comment. That that's a comment that exists in the world. Yeah, it's it's there. Yeah, and you know what? Like I I like I like fans to have high standards just like like I like uh, coaches to have high standards and teams to have high standards so we didn't you know it, I, this is a Rams podcast so I won't get into my USC rants uh, but you know the the Clay Helton got fired and and one of my one of my big problems there was that there just there didn't seem to be high expectations it was kind of like you know, yeah, it's great. We just beat Oregon State by three points. Like that, that's kind of a problem. Like you shouldn't be just beating Oregon State by three points. Um, and so I, I, I have no problem with with fans or anybody uh, looking at things and going, hey, you know what? How can that get better? Or is this a concern or whatever? Because you know, coaches do the same things. You know, coaches are going to be pouring over the tape, and it's not that you expect perfection, but you're always looking for ways. Uh, to improve. And, you know, what what went wrong in that game? You, you point out the positive things. And, you know, I know when coaches go over film, they, they, they point out the positives. Hey, look at that. We did that well. You did that well. You did that well. And then they go over some of the negatives and say, hey, we can clean that up. That can get better. Here's how we could have done that better. So, that's fine. I've got no problem with with people doing that or you know uh, picking at certain things. But as long as you put it in the right context, as long as you yeah. uh, you know look at the kind of the overall game and uh, you know uh, what what does it say and is it is it a structural problem or is it just something that happens during a game? Yeah, and, and, uh, and perhaps yeah. this person meant that he would prefer to not see them cross over midfield uh, as frequently. So sure. maybe that's what, the, maybe that's what he meant. But I, yeah. I went back and I looked, so I read it and I went back and I looked at their fourth down. Per, I was like, well, they're going for it every fourth down. <laughs> like, how right, do you? right, right. And then the Rams right. stopped them. So no, they're not, they're not punting, but, um, and yeah, then yeah. you might get freaking Cooper cup back there catching punts, which is not what should be happening. Uh, and adamantly <laughs> what Sean McVay, like basically laughed 
when a media member asked him about it because he was listed, Cooper was listed as the punt returner on the fake depth chart that they put out every every uh, training camp. Right. And like, you know, he laughed and he's like, no, he's not going to be the punt returner. And then he's out there right. at punt return, which is a whole other, we could spend a whole episode right. talking about that nonsense. But I think, right. um, again, maybe not said, something. <laughs> uh, maybe he should have said he's not our punt returner right now. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. that's what he should have said. Yeah. But I think, I think like, that to me, I mean, that's not going to be the case moving forward. If, if that's the case right. moving forward, I, there's bigger questions to ask about drafting Tutu Atwell in the second round. So, ah, um, but we're not going to ask those questions because it's just, just one game. <laughs> and I believe for I, have faith, week. I have faith in the young man. I think he could do some good things in that regard. So, um, yeah, that's a discussion for another time. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the main thing that I'm looking for this weekend, uh, Rich is is the I think the Colts um have a very very good defense. I think that this will be maybe a better test for the Rams uh offensively than maybe this past week was even though um I think Sean Desai has got a bright future ahead of him. Um right. this Colts defense is going to be tough. Uh I also think it's going to be tough day in the trenches for for these guys on both sides. Yeah, it it'll be uh it, I think it sets up well. You know, you I think you mentioned Jordan last week how Chicago was a great week 1 opponent and uh that that I think ended up playing out exactly the right way. And I think Indianapolis is a good week two opponent uh, to, you know, to have to go on the road. And, and like you said, uh, a good defense that, that's going to, you know, test this Rams offense uh, in, in different ways. So, uh, you know, Seattle did a nice job. It was 28-16. Uh, they, they were up 21-10, to 10, I, I think, at halftime. Uh, so, you know, they were they were fairly in, in control of that game. Uh, Colts offense didn't do a lot to help them. I don't think Carson Wentz looked, looked great in that game. He didn't make any big mistakes, but he also didn't, you know, do anything particularly dynamic. And like we said, that run game didn't didn't really get going. So, yeah, uh, you know, I was just looking, you know, Vegas has this at, at Rams uh, about, about minus four. It actually opened at minus three and, and, and went to minus four. So kind of the early money. Uh, pretty going pretty heavy in in favor of the Rams. Uh, that, that that seems about right to me. Uh, I, I you know I I thought whatever it ended up being with Chicago, I think it was about seven. And I thought, yeah, I think the Rams are gonna <laughs> I think the Rams are gonna exceed that a little bit. And and of course they did. Ended up winning by twenty. Uh, but uh, this this could be a tighter game, lower scoring. I I think uh, you know maybe this is we talk about trying to control the game on the ground a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will will be something that uh, will be important for for that Rams offense, but. Uh, certainly a game that I think they should win, but but uh, a game that presents a little bit of a different challenge than, than this past week. Yeah, I would agree with you on on all those points, Rich. I think that this is going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, I will be there. I am uh, traveling this year. A um, little bit nervous, but I have traveled this spring um, after getting my vaccination. So um, obviously feeling much better about it right now than I was last year uh, yes. around this time. So um, yeah, definitely looking forward to bringing you guys uh, as many updates as possible. And um, we'll also be your your beat writer on the ground all week um, as usual. And so yes. we're trying to uh, figure out what the best days and times are for when you guys want to hear from us here at the 11 Personnel Podcast. Um so definitely give us feedback for that if you have it. Um, definitely leave us. Uh, we love reading your reviews. We love getting five-star ratings from you guys. We love hearing um, all of our our inside jokes kind of get rolling here, which is, is <laughs> going to be fun. Uh, no tortured metaphor of the week this week from me. Uh, I don't think anyway. There might have been one that I that I missed uh, during one of my rants. But uh, I'll try to think of some good ones. That is uh, that is something that I, I very much got a, a good laugh at. Um, shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to the the people over on the herd. Uh, I, I definitely um, appreciate you guys' feedback and appreciated the the tortured metaphor of the week guy popping up over there. Um, Rich, everyone can follow you on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond, and you can follow me at Jordan uh, at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. Um, please, please, please subscribe to the Athletic. We've got some fun stuff coming. Um, definitely had a, a action packed lead up to the season in terms of some of the features over there. If you haven't checked those out yet, please do. And um, we sure enjoy this, guys. We love getting to talk with you or talk at you, I guess, every week. But you know, we try to talk with you too. If you give us feedback, we will read it and respond to it um, and we're sure looking forward to spending this season with you so thanks again guys um, and we'll catch you next week